I miss a storm? Johnny and Susan go to outer space with us? Well, I don't know, dear. You'll have to ask them. Hey there, welcome to a special fill-in episode of Marvel by the Month. My name is Brian Stratton. And mine is Rob Milne. Um, And if you've been listening to uh, the last episode or two, you know that we are taking a few weeks off from our usual format um, after wrapping up uh, Season 2 a couple weeks ago. Uh, So this week's episode is going to be the first of what will probably be a regular feature on the show, I hope. Yeah, me too. Yeah. um, To kind of set the stage a little bit, you know, um, most people who are aware of Marvel's characters currently... Um, they probably didn't first discover them through comics. And I think that's that's really the case for those of us who are big Marvel Comics fans. Um, I think the very first time I encountered Spider-Man, uh, I think, was on The Electric Company. Um, probably, those little yeah. live-action uh, skits that they would do. And then, you know, the Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends cartoon in the very early 80s. Uh, I think that was probably... Like my first Marvel exposure. What about you? Like, where do you think you first encountered? I mean, your dad was a comics fan. Yeah, so I luckily had comics around, but it, it may have been a um, a Hostess fruit pie on the back of <laughs> on the back of Hostess fruit pies that I would get at the Plaid Pantry or Seven Eleven. Um, that explains why you're always eating just garbage pastries every time we record. <laughs> I have the Scandinavian sugar tooth or sugar mouth. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would Scandinavian buy Scandinavian sugar mouth is also your high school nickname. <laughs> it sounds like my rapping name, too. Uh, but uh, they have a, a like a Kirby sketch of Thor or a little cartoon on the back of those or the front uh, for oh, quite yeah, a while yeah. in the in the early 80s because in the the comics they used to do like the full page ads yeah that were so they had a full cross promotion thing going on with him um i mean they didn't product place host his fruit pies because no one had thought something that insidious at that time (laughs) but otherwise yeah yeah you had comics in your home i kind of got into comics through you know having seen like the cartoons and the tv shows and and things like that um and now you know like i've got a six-year-old son um it's kind of weird to me to think that i mean we have a house full of comics here but really probably his first really strong associations with superheroes it's probably going to be the marvel movies like the mm-hmm. marvel cinematic universe um and you know some of the cartoon stuff yeah that's uh, hard to deny it's also like uh i i i mean i'm not i wouldn't say worried that's a very mm. strong word but uh just imagining that that kids are encountering this in a way that's so fully realized yeah mm-hmm. is a it's it's such a weird thing from when when we were kids we were always just having that debate at what actor should would ever play a character that never happened totally uh, yeah. you know and then so it was oh this would be the best version of peter parker and and i remember stunt casting uh glenn danzig as wolverine yeah i mean yeah. everyone did at that point yeah but, <laughs> <laughs> and including him but yeah yes I, but it just uh i don't know that he was the uh, best the finest actor for the role he had the height for it yeah yeah he did have the height and the build yes yeah um it, it's crazy that when we were growing up, um, you would read comics and you'd hope for just like if you could get even just a tenth of that on a movie version, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that would be great. And now it's like, you know, the Marvel Universe has taken over Hollywood completely, yep. um, like something like eight of the ten biggest movies of all time now are Marvel movies. That's uh, and I'm then, sure I don't have that number right. Then don't Uncle Disney, me. of course, has 
Star Wars, which are many of the other <laughs> right, exactly. biggest budgets. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the Marvel movies are so popular. I heard that they're going to burn all of Martin Scorsese's movies so they can never be seen again. <laughs> That's how popular they are. Uh, so you understand why he's a little miffed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, there was a, uh, a I'm not going to say happy bygone time uh, necessarily, but there was definitely a time when uh, you could not expect nearly as much quality from a marvel movie (laughs) and uh that's what we're leading into here so um we're going to be taking a look uh at uh marvel's cinematic offerings before there was a marvel cinematic universe um this is gonna be a like i said a regular fill-in uh type feature that we're going to do on some of these episodes when we need to buy ourselves some time uh from our regular schedule um and uh the first movie we are going to watch uh is i think maybe the most infamous uh pre-mcu marvel movie uh it's the uh, 1994 version of The Fantastic Four. I gotta make sure nothing here happens to Sis. Besides, we are the Fantastic Four. Right? Right. <laughs> um, which, uh, woo, yeah, we, we literally just finished uh, re-watching it. Um, and we have some thoughts. Uh, so this thing, <laughs> this was, uh, let's see. Uh, well, you know what? Um, before we, uh, we jump into this, uh, we should also uh, say that we have a, a guest in the studio here. Um, uh, someone who's been on the podcast before, someone who knows a little something about uh, independent film production. Uh, Mr. Levi Buchanan has joined us. Gentlemen, hello. Hello. Oh, welcome. Thank, thank you so much for, uh, for being here. And uh, seriously, thank you so much for sitting through 90 minutes of what we just sat through. I, know, I was about <laughs> to thank you for having me back, but then I remembered yeah, the, what we just went through. The torture. The <laughs> Satellite of love. Yes. Yeah, it was very mystery science theater down here um, (laughs) for a a couple hours. Um, So, yeah, uh, this thing, man, uh, before we get into some opinions, uh, I'm just going to lay out a few facts about uh, (laughs) this this thing. So uh, this movie was never released. Uh, It was uh, supposed to have been released in 1994. That's when it was completed. Uh, it was directed by Oli Sassone, uh, who I believe was just a music video director prior to uh, uh, his turn at this. This is his first feature film, uh, executive produced by B-movie king Roger Corman. One of his earliest things is the the black and white version of Little Shop of Horrors, which is, yes. I think, if not the first, one of Jack Nicholson's first on-screen roles. He's the patient in the dentist's office who's really uh, getting off on, no on having his teeth ripped out. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that like before Easy Rider, you think? Yeah, He's, so it is yeah. a, it's a black and whiter. He is incredibly young. He cool. is ridiculously handsome. Um it's it's a it's a time capsule worth uh, worth visiting. I nice. would do that in a heartbeat. Also probably my favorite musical. So, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, so I so uh, Roger Corman uh, co uh, executive produced this uh, along with a fellow named Bernd Eichinger um who uh he owned uh, Neue Constantin Film. Constantin Film went on to I mean they had produced legit movies. They'd done Never Ending Story. One of the most traumatic yes. movies of childhood. Yeah. Yeah. With the horse. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so you know, oh. this was like it was what I mean to say is that th- these were legitimate film producers uh, who had the rights to do a Fantastic Four movie, um, and uh, they appeared to be taking a serious crack at it. Um, 
and uh, they got some, I would not say A-list actors, I would not necessarily say B-list actors, but uh, they got some some decent actors who some had, actors. They had been working <laughs> in Hollywood. Um, we had uh, Alex Hyde-White uh, as Reed Richards. Um, he played young Henry Jones, uh, uh, Henry Jones Sr. in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Hmm. Um, so that's a credit. Uh, Rebecca Staub played, uh, Sue Storm Richards. Um, she was, um, she went on to do a lot of like one-off roles in, uh, like network TV series. Yeah, I feel like she was one of the alien planet visitors on next generation or something. Like yeah. That. So, yeah. yeah. It, it was like very she much seemed familiar. Yeah. Very much a working actress, uh, like had, you know, uh, appearances in, on one episode of, half the shows you've ever seen you mm-hmm. know uh jay underwood uh played johnny storm and levi you recognized him almost immediately yeah he's the lead in the uh the boy who could fly which yes. is a movie from my childhood that had kind of an outsized influence because it's this really um dramatic almost kind of in places maudlin movie but then has this sudden bananas fantasy right turn and yeah it's one of those things that just the scene where he I'll spoil it, actually does fly. Blew my mind as a kid. I was like, oh, the movie's going here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. I thought he maybe was just a crazy kid. Yeah. yeah. Nope. It's not a metaphor. Uh, he also played Bug in Uncle Buck. <laughs> so... <laughs> I can't, after seeing that movie, I can't believe he played anything at all ever again. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he obviously had someone just telling him off stage, just be bigger, be or, bigger. Yeah. yeah. Or his dad's an agent or, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Michael Bailey Smith played Ben Grimm. Um, one of my favorite credit I, when I was looking him up, uh, one of my favorite credits he had was, uh, as super Freddy in a nightmare on Elm street five, the dream child. Uh, and he also was a regular on the TV show Charmed. Uh, he showed up in like a dozen and a half episodes or something, playing a variety of different roles. Um, uh, the when he, Ben Grimm becomes the Thing. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> there's a played by a fellow named Carl Ciarfelio. Um, he mostly worked uh, as a stuntman uh, and in bit parts uh, with uh, character names like Officer Number Three or <laughs> First Goon. Um, but he has a huge list of credits to his name. Um, so again, like very legit, you know, Hollywood credentials. Um, oh, I do have to give you some more Roger Corman. Oh, info. please, yes. Um, so ro- the this is what I always think of. Uh, Roger Corman made Carnosaur. Yes, that came out in '93. Yep. And that was something that's been made fun of quite a bit. It's just a really bad, uh, you know, sort of like Jurassic Park knockoff. Sure. But he also made, this was the, I think he directed The Fast and the Furious from 1955. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So, which was also just a shock that that is a, a reboot as right, well. Right, right, yeah. Um, but it, it does make sense because people were very into cars yes. in the 50s. So Yeah. Uh, Corman also... I think had a reputation for uh, the off-brand version of whatever was popular at the time. Yeah, the thing that your mom would go to the video store and get because it looked like the name or the picture of what you described. Like the right. like getting a Transformers movie, but it's called Transmogrifiers, and it's just got a like sort of robot on the front, and your mom bought it. Right. Bought it <laughs> but I feel like it only in his career got that way towards like the back half, because in the first half when he's doing things like Little Shop or The Terror, things like that, he's making... He's making things inexpensively, but he's mm-hmm. making legit movies to be yeah. enjoyed by drive-in audiences. None of these are—they're fun, but they're not goofs. He's not like, "Oh, let's make a let's let's see if we can make let's see if we can get away with." No, everybody is giving it their all. These are. 
they're B pictures, yeah. but but they're earnestly made B pictures by mm-hmm. an incredibly driven talented man yeah well and and that's something that i think we'll probably talk about a little further as we get into talking about this movie but this is it's not a good movie i mean we'll just put that <laughs> right out there but it, it's also i feel real bad about kind of beating up on it because i feel like everyone involved in the production of this movie was giving 110%. Like, this had a million-dollar budget. Like, yeah. That's it. And even in 1994, that was nothing. Um, you see all million dollars and then some up on the screen. Like, everyone is just, we don't have money for special effects. We're just going to be big. We're going to act big. We're going right. to, you know, they're really driven. Um, they're putting a lot of emotion and enthusiasm in everything they're doing. Um, and I think no one more than, um, the i, I got to say, the main character of the movie, Joseph Culp as Dr. Doom. Uh, that dude, uh, the way he can make his armored gloves emote. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's creepy. It's it is. Cre- <laughs> and they can die in space. Uh, and he even like he went into uh, you know he's a working actor before he working actor after um he's probably best known as playing um don draper's depression era father uh, in the flashbacks in mad men so mm-hmm. um you know it's not like this was a career killer for him um yeah, well since it didn't really come out <laughs> right no one knew <laughs> how bad it was the fact that the movie didn't come out probably helped a lot of careers that of the people who were involved in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's it, but also we've been reading a lot of 1960s comics and it's the same thing. Like they really tried, Mm -hmm. like this is not good or um, great by any means, but it's still okay. And they did it while they were doing 50 other things. And to me, this movie is like, they did it with, no money to make a movie like this. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is that everyone in this uh, in this picture, like that's uh, below producer, is giving it their all. They're there earnestly. They're there to make a movie under, you know, limited circumstances. Nobody knows exactly why this movie is being willed into existence. Yeah. All they know is... I'm I'm gonna make I'm I'm I have this amazing opportunity here to play this iconic character. I'm gonna give it everything and then a half. Yep. And and that's what makes this movie to me as we were watching it so almost bittersweet mm-hmm. is because you 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 laugh at the ridiculousness, the sometimes, you know, can't be overacting, and then there's uh there's empathy because yeah. you're like I think everyone at some point in their lives has had the rug ripped out from underneath of them. <laughs> yeah. And what's about to happen to these to this cast and what's about to happen to this crew, you're like this is cruel. Yeah. What's yeah. coming their way. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. People are telling them they're in the next Batman, you know, Tim Burton, mm-hmm. Batman franchise, yeah. like, or whatever, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, anything like yeah. that. Well, and, and to kind of set the stage for what comics movies were at this time. So Marvel had not really gotten off the boards. Uh, they'd done a, a Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie. Um, a couple I don't of think it earlier. even released in the U.S., um, yeah, I, uh, because the copy I have is not from the U.S. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like I remember seeing it on HBO or something like that. But oh, yes, so it did. Eventually. I think it got some yeah. sort of distribution here. And I think it was available in video stores, if I remember correctly. But, you know, it was not not at all uh, a, a big hit or anything. He didn't wear the skull shirt like it was a Punisher movie that was kind of afraid to be. A Punisher movie, like a, yeah. afraid to be a comic book movie. You had like you could count the number of really good superhero movies that had come out on one hand. You had, you know, the the first Tim Burton Batman movie, which had come out a few years earlier in 1989. Uh, Batman Returns was I think 92. Um, 
And then you'd have to probably go all the way back to like Chris Reeves Superman movies in the late seventies and yeah. early eighties to like to find a good superhero movie. So yeah, that's true. DC it, was running the show. They absolutely were. As far as technology went, um, like film technology was just getting to the point where you could do halfway decent special effects. So like Terminator two had come out around this era, like a couple of years earlier. Yeah. Um, but you know, that obviously had a little bit more than a million dollars <laughs> to play with. Um, you know, but you were starting to see the possibilities. Um, yeah. You said this was 94, right? Yeah. So here's some other comic book movies that are coming out around this time because Batman has been successful. So right. Hollywood is reaching for everything they can grab. Uh, Alec Baldwin's The Shadow oh, that comes oh, out yes. in 1994. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I actually do yeah. really like that movie a lot. <laughs> it is a structurally unsound movie yes. that is charming as hell. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's exactly and the way to put this, it. Yeah. Whatever 1930s pulp characters yep. that they're reviving. So it's 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 great, but it's bad too. Yeah, it's a good bad movie. <laughs> yeah, as our friends from the Flop House would say. Technology was approaching a point where you could have a lower budget movie able to do some more impressive special effects. Um, comic book movies had gotten a little destigmatized because Tim Burton had had such success with Batman. So, you know, the time is right. Uh, Burned Eichinger, uh, who uh, owned Noya Constantine films, um, he got the rights to do a Fantastic Four movie back in 1983. And he'd been sitting on the rights uh, and they were going to expire in 10 years. If he didn't do anything with them, they're, the rights were going to expire. He's getting to the end of you know his ten-year limit here. Uh, Marvel won't extend them, um, and so he says, "We got to make a Fantastic Four movie. We got to do it quick, and we got to do it cheap, or I'm <laughs> going to lose these rights." And he already spent what two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get the rights. Two hundred fifty so. grand in nineteen eighty-three dollars. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break, um, and when we uh, come back. We're going to take the plunge into talking about this thing, um, and uh, God have mercy on our souls. Ben? Let her go! Watch yourself, Mr. Grimm. I can do a lot of damage before you get hit. Doom, it's clobbering time. Okay, welcome back to Marvel by the Month. We are talking about the unreleased 1994 Fantastic Four movie. Um, so uh, here's here we go. We're going to jump into the, <laughs> the summary of this thing. Movie opens uh, with uh, Reed Richards and Victor Von Doom. Uh, they're in college. They're buddies. Uh, and they are performing uh, an experiment on a passing comet uh, called Colossus. Yeah, they learn about it from... Punky Brewster's dad, yep. who is the professor who is teaching their class. So um, he, he, I, I mean, I, I guess that Reed and Doom already knew, but uh, he's that's how we're presented with that information. Right. So, yeah. Right. Uh, is Punky Brewster's dad. Yep. And, and this uh, this professor is played by the um, what is I don't know what the right word is for the position, but they are the the leader of the uh, of police academy, the commandant, yeah. the commandant. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Commandant Lassard. Yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he has a rich history in both film and television. I would say yeah. this is his third greatest role ever. <laughs> it is very weird to see 
a character like that overacting right out of the gate. Yeah. And well, he's you also know what you're in for. He's the only recognizable actor to me in this entire movie. So yeah. 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 It, it's like after he leaves the screen, it's like, you know, he, he did his eight minutes and he's out. They brought, yeah. they brought him in to make people feel like this was going to be a real movie. Hey, y'all remember punky Brewster's dad. Uh, yeah. We got, we got him for the 10 grand, which was quite a bit. And he's going to talk about a comment that moves at the speed of light. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. Or is it twice the speed of light? Something like that. Yes. And then it hits the atmosphere and it slows down. And it slows down. down. You're right. Okay. That's how we can see it. Yeah. So uh, so Reed and Victor, they have this plan to do this experiment. Um, and uh, Reed wants to do some simulations. He's not 100% confident in everything victor is very confident he doesn't want to do the simulation um so they uh they go ahead uh and push forward with the experiment anyway um and it goes very badly uh it blows <laughs> up um uh, the whole laboratory uh victor von doom is uh, critically injured he's saved from well we believe we are led to believe that he dies during this accident, yeah. um, despite the fact that Ben Grimm charges into the lab and knocks him away from this blast of energy. Uh, but we do see him. The blast of energy is uh, um, it's a beautiful cartoon. Um, it is a a flickering blue lightning bolt that looks definitely like it's drawn onto the film. Yes. Yeah, this is not uh uh Sith lightning from the Emperor. Yeah. This is like misfits of science. Yes caliber drawn on right. drawn on yeah. lightning well well over a decade after the emperor does the yeah his, oh yeah his, it, it's a it's a special effect that's at best on par with the gozer lightning at the end of the first yeah. ghostbusters movie, which i think which, is which still happened, better yeah yeah which happened like 11 years earlier <laughs> that's the thing it's, it i kept thinking i was looking at an 80s movie yeah so i would just sort of downgrade my expectations yeah but you look at that set for the lab and you know I think at this point in the movie, we're still kind of in that let's goof on this phase. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, but you realize, so yeah, the, the lab looks like something straight out of like, a, she blinded me with science music video. Right. But you then, you know, as, as we progress in the movie, I start thinking back, like, I imagine the set dresser giving it everything they have. Like, all right, I've got, uh, I, uh, I got $7,000. I have all this scrap metal. I have all these televisions. I have these light up buttons. How can I put together this this entire set? And they manage to do it. They yeah. create an entire. Yep. And it's it believable. Looks, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but it is a it is a three walled complete complete yep. set. And do you know, I, I actually know where they shot this. Is I did a little bit of research. Uh, it, it the lab explosion scene was filmed on the uh, campus of Loyola Marymount University. So that so they is, got in a room that had some computers to start with, and or then something. they threw yeah. some bizarre, you know, like. Yeah, you know, some some prop that Corman had stashed in a warehouse somewhere, yeah. <laughs> and then you know hauled it out, and and they were off to the races. Um, so yeah, okay, so we've got uh, you know, so Victor is presumed dead. Um, we find out um, almost immediately that he's not, but Reed Richards doesn't know this. Neither does Ben, ben Grimm. Um, uh, Reed is renting a room from the Storm family, um, and uh, Sue and Johnny Storm uh, are the children who live in the house. Uh, so Johnny is buddies with Ben. Um, Johnny looks to be about like eight years old, and they're playing um, an extremely knockoff version of Missile Command. Um, mm -hmm. That's how they get their oh, kicks. Uh, and then uh, Sue is like maybe 12, 13, and uh, she has a big old crush on Reed Richards, who, I mean, thank God, doesn't seem to have a lot of interest in her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because uh, it is a 
visible uh, difference in age. Uh, yes. Severely visible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to say about the missile command. This oh, is yes. Early on in the prop in the lab and missile command, we just started knowing that it was a $1 million movie. We just started estimating the cost of each of the things we were saying. <laughs> so we would just throw that out nonstop. It would be like, well, there's $10,000 right there. And then uh, that was how we sort of gauged the movie, which also made us more sympathetic, I think. Yes. Because you, you start to count it down and you're like, I I mean, I'm sure they spent a lot of money on Punky Brewster's dad. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know he was getting better than scale. Yeah. Yeah. So the, just that alone took away from whatever they were going to make a costume I think, of I think, later. You know? I think bringing him in was sort of like how uh, like the producers of the first two Superman movies approached. They paid Marlon Brando, I think, $2 million to be, you know, to, to do what maybe three minutes three minutes of of film presence total but as they explained it if we didn't have him in the movie the movie wouldn't have been made yeah it (laughs) completely legitimizes it not you know for the audience right yeah exactly uh so okay uh so smash cut 10 years later um (laughs) reed sue johnny and ben are they're all grown up now um reed's got the salt and pepper um temples and uh, Reed and Ben are planning on uh, launching an experimental uh, spacecraft uh, into space uh, so they can get a second crack at harnessing the energy of Colossus. And for reasons... I, a I, comet that comes around every 10 years. Yes. Faster yes. than the speed of light, Fast. but slows down as it grazes the atmosphere of Earth. Correct. With no problems for earth right and right. so there's your first leap of logic the second leap of logic is uh when they're ready to go the first place they go is back to the storm's house and to get to uh, get the kids to get sue and johnny to fly up in their spacecraft there's no backstory laid to why these people should ever right what be, their qualifications yeah, they are, not are pilots they are not scientists <laughs> they are they're, they're still living a they still live at home yeah in a boarding house yeah <laughs> and judging from how wide reed's eyes get when he sees sue come down the stairs he hasn't seen him for a while he hasn't seen him for a while yeah so it's like all right okay fine what you know, we're just gonna we're gonna move on past that um <laughs> So uh, they uh, rededicates the mission to his friend Victor, uh, believing that he had died years earlier. Um, and uh, they have this, uh, they get this special uh, huge diamond um, that is uh, supposed to be the thing that's going to diffuse the energy from Colossus and make it safe uh, for them to be able to do their research or whatever it is they're going to do. Um, but uh, the <laughs> diamond winds up getting stolen by the jeweler yes uh the and who's uh, the jeweler he's uh basically the penguin from the batman returns danny devito he's penguin. literally the penguin and yeah. uh i mean he doesn't talk like the penguin he talks sort of like a leprechaun uh ish yeah like a yeah and then he um just wants jewels like yeah. he's just a character that didn't he was so lame that he didn't exist as a villain <laughs> in early marvel comics yeah uh no one they would just pull the jewel. We had the tinkerer. Right. We had, you know, uh, which I guess now that I think of it is pretty lame, but you know, not, that just seemed so basic. Um, even the magician seems more interesting, but not to get too ahead in the, uh, in the plot. But I feel though that the jeweler's story takes a lift from the puppet master. 
Yes. There's a little puppet the master there. Yes. Yep. Yeah. There's yeah. puppet master mm-hmm. and there's a... There's some mole man mole element man. there yeah. too because he lives under... So he li- he he has this like subterranean world where like, uh, you know, the refuse of humanity um, has surrounded him. And so I really kind of get the feeling like in an early draft of the script, they had mole man in there and like, we don't have a budget for monsters. We don't have a budget for moloids. We yeah. don't have a budget for caverns. What can you do like in a subway tunnel? Yep. It's like, okay, <laughs> well... We have the jeweler. Um, yeah, I feel like you can see the 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 plot and script shifts just based on money every single scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I can't figure out is the jeweler made out of necessity? It's like, look, we don't have the rights to the puppet master. We don't have the rights to the magician. We don't have the rights to the tinker. Oh, yeah. So, are we just going to pull these parts in, or did uh, whoever wrote this said like, I'm going to put my stamp on this? <laughs> I'm creating my own villain. Yeah. Well, this was also, a, you know, this is at a time in comic book movies where being faithful to the source material was, I think, seen as more of a hindrance than, you know. Yeah, no one cared about like, that. Like, it, it, it was like, again, talking about the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie, he doesn't wear the Punisher shirt. He like, there's no tie to any superhero stuff. Like, superhero movies at this point were still kind of embarrassed to be superhero movies. And, yeah. you know, uh, it's Other sort of like... Superman, I think. In, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I think you could, if you wanted a parallel to modern times, I think video games are just starting to come out of this where... Now, when you see a movie that's based on a video game, like the Sonic movie is very like they went back and had to redesign the character. So he looked a lot more like Sonic from the video games because the initial treatment was not so good. <laughs> <laughs> and the I so I just I just went to to look and see when a specific movie came out, because as we were watching, I was looking at the jeweler and his underground kingdom and all the underlings of you know, that are not good enough for the above world. Right. So this movie takes place a year after Demolition Man comes out. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So to me, that was like, that felt very influenced by that, 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 that lower society that exists under the streets. Like, yeah. Like this yeah. movie is pulling from so many different, so many different places totally. from, from yeah. Demolition Man, from Batman Returns, yeah. from, from any, from Star any, Wars, from Leprechaun, from yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think the, the, that reminded me of the Cosmic Rays scene. Um, it gets a little surreal and they do some overlays and weird things mm-hmm. and it and it looked like it somebody trying like a, a film student trying to remake the end of 2001 a space odyssey <laughs> yes. in one minute with like with, whatever a hundred dollars with video yeah. toaster yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and yet landing on and not even quite reaching the end of the black hole yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. that movie yeah i yeah. goof on that movie but i love that movie and that is one of those things where you realize at the end, like, oh, they're going for it. Yep. Yeah, my and brother it makes me and love I, it all the more. Same thing. We yeah. love. We had action figures. We, oh yeah. We did not. We also root for underdogs. That's why yeah. I love. Thanks for the, uh, you know, Guardian from Alpha Flight. I loved Alpha Flight because they were <laughs> such a, they were the Canadian Avengers. Mm-hmm. It's just like yeah. such an underground like underdog you they know? were 68 percent of the Avengers. yeah <laughs> the yeah. exchange rate really hurts yeah yeah no. anyway I, th- that speaking right. of tangent that's all we're going to be doing right now right exactly well okay so so you just alluded to it uh the the jeweler um he steals the real diamond from their lab he uh puts a a replica in there the reason he steals it uh is because he has caught a glimpse of alicia masters um and he has decided to make her his queen so he wants to steal the diamond mm-hmm. to give to her that's 
there you go. Um, that's all we need to talk we're, about that subplot. We're not given a lot of background information. No, on this no. Uh, queen abducting. But thing. at this point, Alicia Masters has met Ben Grimm. Yes, he. She literally bumps into him and drops and smashes one of her statues and and begins the first of many face feeling sequences in this movie. There's a lot of face toucher. Yeah. If that's your ASMR thing, then this is the movie for you. It's also yeah. a real weird movie to be watching, like at a time when like everyone is telling you, don't touch your face, wash your hands 20 times a day. It's like, oh my God, they're just spreading germs constantly. Yeah. And we'll get to <laughs> even worse, but yes. Yeah. Oh man. And it's not even just touching faces. It's a lot of just touching mouths. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Let me just feel your mouth. I think the director Let me feel your mouth. This. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey person i barely know i'm just gonna rub my hand around your mouth it's like tarantino's feet thing yeah Yeah. and then at the end like and now touch your own mouth (laughs) (laughs) slowly do it slowly but i have a mask on don't care touch your mouth touch (laughs) touch the mouth area do it yes uh yeah okay so uh Diamond gets stolen. Uh, so when the Fantastic Four, who are not the Fantastic Four yet, go up in the rocket, uh, the experiment backfires. They can't control the energy. The rocket crashes on Earth just as it does in the comics. Um, unlike in the comics, uh, it takes everyone a little while to show off their powers, and it doesn't happen all at once, and it doesn't ever really happen completely. So uh, they lead off with the most cost-effective uh, special effect, which is the Invisible Girl. Uh <laughs> They just She's don't not show there. Her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they all recover. There's no... They also don't seem that concerned either. Mm-mm. It seems like the first thing you'd be doing is there's... How many of us? Three. How many were on the... Okay, four? Takes were, them a little while to yeah. realize. Yeah. They don't do a head count right yeah, away. I right. think the thing I love when uh, the Invisible Woman is there is she's not visible, but I have a feeling that she's on set because her audio does not sound ADR. No. It sounds like she's just talking <laughs> off camera. Yep. No one's audio in this sounds ADR. Uh, yeah, including Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom, yes, exactly. He's I mean, yelling through his mask. Dr. <laughs> Doom sounds like this. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's a hell of a thing. Um, so uh, then w- w- uh, Johnny, um, he sneezes and lights a bush on fire. He does not flame on because there's no budget for flaming yeah. on yet. Uh, Reed stretches his arm to catch sue i think yeah um and uh ben has not transformed at all uh they are kind of out in the middle of nowhere um reed sends off a flare which is a nice nod to fantastic early fantastic four comics Mm -hmm. um and then they camp out for the night um and when they wake up uh it's because uh some military folks have shown up um to uh say that they're going to uh they're going to take them back to civilization like debrief to debrief them, them. Yeah. Yes. to debrief them um and uh that's when we first see that ben has transformed um how would you describe ben's <laughs> new form i this is not my line at all i can't remember which comedian says this but he looks like somebody uh, stepped on an orange skittle <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a you know if you if you're a fan you think of ben grimm as uh as rocky as you know stone mm-hmm. yeah uh this looks lumpy he's very yeah lumpy yeah. very rubbery a lot of space in his uh in his neck and upper torso uh so that what i'm guessing are hydraulics for his yeah. like, mouth in because eyebrows. there's another yeah. you know 15 grand of this budget is yeah. going to the ability to move his to move his um his brow and to move his upper lip yeah, yeah. there's a lot of teeth in this costume and, and not accurate uh to anything he's saying or doing too which is uh, a <laughs> 
another thing. It's like they just got like captured a little bit of the face moving for a while and then just used that in every scene. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, he emotes like the um like the short guy in the money for nothing uh, video. <laughs> <laughs> Though we gotta move these yeah. refrigerators. That is ex- that's who he reminds me of constantly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, it, I mean, he it looks like uh, it looks like they started making one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles rubber suits, and then just kind of gave up. And then, like Corman found it in a dumpster like, <laughs> on a back lot, and yeah, I'll give you five hundred dollars, kid. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. But again, the 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 actor that plays the thing in the suit. Seems to be told, like, look, we're only going to be able to see your eyes. And he's like, all right, I'm going to give 200% of my acting Everything through just the these eyes. two peepers because yeah. yep. it is everything. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah. So we 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 figure out eventually that uh, these are not actual Marines that are showing up, but these are folks who Dr. Doom has sent to bring them back to his castle um, where they think they're, you know, uh, they're being tested in a, like a laboratory facility. They're having blood samples drawn. Well, they're not having blood samples drawn. This is a whole other like hilarious hijinks uh, bit where uh, there's just one very frazzled doctor who keeps trying to get uh, blood samples from them. Um, and he gets, uh, shocked by their powers yeah exactly like like johnny flames on a little bit and that scares him and then he can't uh, get through he can't get through the things i hide uh sue turns invisible which startles him so badly that he injects himself um and yeah i can't remember what he just hands the syringe to read yeah he's like take your own blood it's a fun playful sequence but you can also see where they are really trying to save some money here because you're not having uh all the actors on screen at the same time. No, it is a one shot of the uh, of the of the doctor yep. looking right down the barrel of the camera, delivering his lines with you know extended or or increasing you know manicness. Yes. Um. Yeah. An- another actor who's just like bigger, more, and yes. he just he just keeps bringing it up and up and up and up and up. And um. Yeah. I'm that's guessing the- they just shot that all at once yeah. too, so okay. he has no context for what he's responding to yeah Yeah. i believe my guess is he was on set for two hours Mm -hmm. at most yep yep uh so they uh they eventually figure out that they're uh they're being held captive uh they bust out uh they meet dr doom um who they have not put together is victor um who is still alive uh, they escape from Doom's men, uh, and they regroup at the Baxter building uh, to decide what to do next. Um, and uh, Ben, true to his character in early Fantastic Four comics, uh, is uh, he's convinced he's a freak, uh, and he doesn't want anything to do with uh, what's going on. So he walks out, uh, startles a couple ladies on the street, and then winds up uh, falling in with a group of homeless men. Uh, and then he winds up in the jeweler's lair. Um, it's where the er, all of the outcast people arrive eventually right it's what we're made to believe and where alicia masters has arrived because they have kidnapped her (laughs) with bat gas now i'm trying to remember has he has he uttered his his line at this point i think so it has been clobber in time he clobbered once by now yes yes uh the first time he says clobber in time uh is when they're uh, busting out of doom's castle um and then he says it again in the jeweler's lair um, when he's trying to rescue Alicia. Um, he says it a third time in the climax of the movie. It's the rule of threes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I, when he, I guess we'll, we'll get to that. But, yeah. Um, 
But I just love that the movie come it grounds to a halt every time, and everything is aimed just so that he can say this line. I feel like yep. the music stops it does, too. Yeah, it's, it's just like, like yeah. the camera, you know, goes to an extreme close up just so he can, oops, yeah. so he can slam his, you know, his rubber fists into each other and just, you know, the lip quavers and moves. <laughs> Unrelated to what he's saying, but yeah, you see the, all those chompers <laughs> and then it's, it's clobbering. Yeah. It's um yeah they so they when they so they've lost Ben yeah. um, Victor needs uh the diamond to capture the comet's power so right. he was going to try to extract the the power from them yes. from the Fantastic Four that was another one of why he was keeping them right uh, yeah and which apparently he thinks he can do whether they're dead or alive he mentions um, well he's the scientist yeah so if you can get I don't know comet energy from dead people go for it doom but uh the so he the jeweler kidnaps alicia um gives her a diamond to convince her to be his bride then doom uh go locates the jeweler's lair and tries to make a deal with the jeweler but it doesn't work well he sends yeah. his two these two henchmen yes. that yeah. show up repeatedly they're yes. just like comic henchmen the yeah. latverian yes. wet bandits yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. So they they can't get the diamond. Uh, Doom tries to do a deal. Uh, jewelers having none of it. So Doom just steals the diamond um, and then threatens Alicia. And this is what brings Ben out of the woodwork, um, and he's ready to fight. I do um, like though that scene. He they there's people shooting in the underground lair. Oh, yes. They show Ben leap into action. Oh right, like he, yes. he leaps up on like a beam or something. I th- at least this is what I perceived and then he just falls backwards and that's the, then he's not in the scene for a while so you're just like did he just you know fall he just yeah. didn't make it sorry he tried too hard uh then he shows up shortly right. thereafter and, and do, says, you, do you remember how in time. Yeah. do you remember how doom uh deals with uh, the jeweler's henchman oh yeah he sort of flexes and twists his upper body to ricochet bullets toward like them right back at them. yeah it's a very like uh burlesque kind of move that he does uh <laughs> well at this point in at least in this scene uh this this series of, of sequences that are down there from because at this point alicia has been um she's going to be anointed the queen right of the uh of the jewelers underworld gang and uh at no point does this feel more like the music video that this director has done up to this point <laughs> yes the very very dramatic light uh lighting with where where you have these beams of light that have no discernible source mm-hmm. because we're <laughs> underground <laughs> the camera will, will everything is a is a dutch angle and a half um the, the placement <laughs> of characters when she has on like the the queen outfit and she's in that you know tight foreground and every like Nothing about this sequence is natural unless you imagine it's like an, an overblown uh, hair metal video. Yeah, it's white snake. From the, yeah, yeah. It's, it's what I'm, that's what I was picturing as I was watching. And I, I do want to look this up, and <laughs> we're not going to do it right now, but I'm like, there's a video called, um, uh, um band called Device, and they do a song called Hanging on a Heart Attack, and it is the 80s of 80s videos I've ever seen, <laughs> and it is that entire sequence. Oh, wow, nice. yeah, yes. yeah, nice. That's worth a follow-up. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. So uh, let's see. Uh, so what happens here? Um, so Ben comes out of hiding uh, to try to rescue Alicia, um, but he for inexplicably uh, reverts to human form. Um, so he's just lucky to get out with his life. Um, he gets onto the streets and then uh, turns back into the thing. By becoming very upset. By becoming very upset, very Hulk-like. Um, but uh, by this point, Doom has kidnapped Alicia? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. he's kidnapped her at this point. Yeah. She's been double kidnapped She's been so double far. kidnapped, yeah. yep. Um, so that's also very true to early 60s Marvel comics, is like you've got a female character who exists mostly to be a prize to be won and lost. She's mm-hmm. fridged. Yeah, yep, exactly. She, yeah. yeah. Um, Double fridged. Yeah. Man. So then, uh, let's see, uh, Doom, uh, he's got the diamond, and he's going to use the diamond to power a laser that will destroy New York City unless the Fantastic Four agree to let him steal their powers. Um, but he doesn't even really, I don't recall him giving them the option of doing that. He just decides to, like, shoot New York City with this, yeah, this giant laser. <laughs> He doesn't really wait for an answer. He just right. shoots. Yeah. And in the tease of him, you know, that of this this attack that he's going to do, I love that they re, they um, resort to using old footage from nuclear tests of the houses being blown over and things like that. Yes. I, the 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 cleverness at this point of where they're like, look, we're out of cash. Yep. If we just throw enough filters on top of this footage, right. people won't immediately like. Of course, it, like everyone has seen that that yeah. footage, mm-hmm. but yep. yeah, it's a hundred dollar so clip. New York yeah, being can... flattened is going to look like uh, Atomicville, USA. Yes, you know, in the Nevada desert, yep. being mm-hmm. blown over. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, so Ben re- he has returned to the FF by this point. Um, Sue has made them costumes because again, very true to the early sixties. Just walks FF. in with a costume on and yep. holding costumes for everybody. Yep. The, yeah. the boys are doing science and she's costuming. Um, so they uh, they costume up. They head to Doom's castle. They fight through his soldiers. Uh, Reed and Doom face off. And by then, Reed has figured out that doom is the same doom he went to school with right yeah it's uh, like how many dooms does this guy who know? i think only has an honorary doctorate from latveria he's I'm not getting, a doctor yeah. Uh, yeah. and i feel like by this point we've also seen him do his uh his, his bond villain speech through the tv screen yes where yeah. he does where he lots much, of hands like i'm sorry i i can never say it. it's not latvian what country is he latveria from? he does yeah. latvian sign language yes Yes. Where he must act out or sometimes air spell yes. everything, everything that he is saying. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's it's incredible. Like he literally like writes backwards to him, but so we can read it, the number twelve with his finger in the is, air. Was he saying like the er, you have New York hours. will be destroyed yeah. in twelve hours and he writes it backwards oh, for them? It's and you can I mean you can see the artist method like he's he's thinking I can't show any expression in my face. You can't face. see my face at all. So these yeah. hands, <laughs> these hands got to do it all. And the director was like, yeah, just more. And Give it yeah, to me. Just yep. all the hands. Yeah. Don't and tell him he's in a talkie. Right? <laughs> and uh, touch everybody's lips. It's my jam. Yeah, That's touch, the director's thing. Yeah. Touch his lips. Touch your lips. Now touch your own lips. Yep, that is what <laughs> Doom, Doom with metal gloves, just like with Alicia Masters, just rubbing... Yeah. And and his henchmen too, just rubbing their face, touching their lips with a giant metal glove. It that is, sounds like he's wearing castanets. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Click, click, also click, they click, click. yeah, they do they click like tap shoes or yeah. castanets, not <laughs> yeah. like what you would expect. Right. And but it's just it I also want to just take this whole movie and do all new just VO and and Foley work on it just a whole different movie yes. yeah because when he when he's like rubbing his metal glove on somebody's lip i want it just to be like 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, just so we can call it out how freaky just it bananas is. Bananas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at this point, also, like, I feel like you know, sometimes something so you know, something so bad or unwatchable, it kind of goes around. At this point, like, I've gone around the horn now, and I kind of want to put my arms around this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh! Everybody is giving this everything they have, yeah. 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 and it's really it it doesn't work, but it's charming. Yeah, yeah. And I I will also say uh, that with the exception of the weight of the cloth that Doom is wearing, the costume he's got, yeah, like yes. If you saw someone at Comic Con wearing this, you'd be impressed. Yeah, what they were. My, I just want the the. I keep. I said this when we were watching. Just the cloak and cowl, the the big piece for. I mean, his cape and cowl, the hood, the cape are they look like pool table felt that's a little pilled yeah like it's been used yeah yeah uh, and i'm and I, if it was just a little better it would and there's all these very just close-ups with huge lighting on him so you see i just can't not notice this like felt uh and we know, were watching in pretty bad video quality yeah, too, yes. and you can still see it's it. like yeah. so called out and that was I don't know why that was such a thing for me. I love Doom, and that was probably part of it. I was defensive for him. Yeah. I just love that Doom, no matter what, uh, stands at a 45-degree angle. Yeah. He can, <laughs> he is, you never it's see him straight lean. on. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we're we're at the denouement or the the climax of the movie here. Um, so the the Fantastic Four they fight through Doom soldiers. Reed and Doom face off. There's a couple stretchy punches, stretchy punches, um, and then uh, Doom tumbles over the wall uh, of his castle. Um, he's hanging on uh, to a ledge about ten feet below. Reed stretches down to rescue him. Um, and then Doom starts doing like the taunting supervillain speech before Reed has pulled him As off. As he's falling, yeah, 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 he does. He does about two minutes of just. I mean, it feels like a lot longer. Yeah. It's probably only a minute. Uh, he's just telling Reed how bad he is and how he yeah, never what a loser waited. he is. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I'm smarter than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm like, you know, I haven't rescued you right. yet. Like yeah. you haven't been pulled up yet. Yeah. So we just kept going like wait for that speech till he saved you, man. Yeah, timing, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So he 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 winds up slipping out of his gauntlet and he plummets to his death laughing, which it's hard not to see that as like, well, this is what the Joker did in nineteen eighty nine. Almost the so, same shot too. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um but uh then uh so Reed heads back in to uh, try to help with this laser situation. Uh, he leaves the gauntlet on the wall and we see it continuing to move. So, <laughs> you know, obviously there's a sequel in the works. I hope we get to see it someday. Someday. Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, and how do they wind up stopping the laser? Because New York. Oh, so, <laughs> man. Oh, geez. So one. I love that you had forgotten and then uh, you just remembered. There's that part. You're like, yeah. no, that actually Okay, I'm actually going to talk about that. That actually happened. <laughs> this sequence of events. This, this wasn't really, just a fever dream that yeah. I had. <laughs> so Johnny Storm, who only will light his hand on fire or only sn- can afford fire, to light his hand who, on fire, who yeah. also refers to himself as a human blowtorch, right when this thing starts, and I feel like that would have been a better name for him the whole time. Uh, and he is such a just. I, I don't like Johnny Storm, the character from the 60s comics we've been reading. I do like him more now, but yeah. uh, uh, and this did not help. That actor was the only actor of the main cast that was overdoing it to such an extent that it it knocked you right out of disbelief. Yeah. Um, and but then just having him never flame on fully was 
frustrating. Right. And uh, then he finally does, and it looks like the Lawnmower Man. Yes. It looks like uh, Tron on a budget. Yeah. It's, um, and he, but, but what he's doing is racing the laser. Just, just go, go with us. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's racing the laser before it gets to New York City. Uh, and he started after the laser started quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Let's just say uh, <laughs> it's a very slow laser. A lot after the speed of light did he start. Um, <laughs> and then he uh, he does manage to race to uh, what looks like a weird computer model um, and then push back the laser. I think he might punch the laser. And uh, well, he does like this weird like gymnastic flailing like in front yeah, of you. He, he kind of dances gets with the in laser. A spin cycle yes. right in front yeah. of the laser. Yeah. 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 Which looks like it looks like a very early like maybe mid nineties PlayStation game of like just some weird ragdoll physics thing. Yeah, you know? yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, very. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, so he yeah he he pushes or punches the laser into outer space, uh, and then flies back to Earth and. Everything's great. And now everything's it's time cool. for uh, maybe Reed and Sue to hook up and get married. Yeah, make it so official. We have like a forty-five second denouement, uh, <laughs> and it is uh, we we see Reed and Sue coming out of uh, the the chapel uh, on their wedding day, and I think everyone's in costume. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Sue, who's wearing her you know her, her wedding her bridal dress. gown. Yep. Yes. Um, and then uh, they get into the limo, and then the movie ends with my favorite gif of all time. <laughs> Which is uh, Reed's rubbery arm waving out the sunroof. It's Goodbye, probably 10 everybody. feet in the For air, just wiggling. A very long time. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. It looks like one of those pool noodles that kids <laughs> use yep. with a glove taped to the end of it. And it's probably exactly what it was. And they, yeah. They, yeah, they keep on it. It's, it's at least a minute. It could they be, cut away from it yeah. and then and go, they back go back to, to it. it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh yeah, so, it's it's bad, and so that's that's your Fantastic Four movie. Um, uh, you'll no be, end credit sequence. Uh, there was there was end credits. I mean, there were end credits, but, but no post no end post credits. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh, no post credits. Sorry, sequence. yes, yes. There's, the, we didn't get teased for anything. We else, did not. No, there was no post credit scene um, of yeah. how this hooked into Howard the Duck right. or <laughs> Doctor Strange or, or, or yeah. Captain America. <laughs> oh man, the Incredible Hulk TV series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> none of that. Um, so yeah, so we've um, so that's the movie. Uh, you'll, you know, it, it was never released, um, and I guess we've kind of talked around this a little bit, but just to kind of give the full story. Um, so why, why didn't this ever hit movie theaters? Why can't you, you know, rent this or see it on, you know, video on demand services? Um, it's because, uh, the whole reason, uh, that this movie got made was because of the, the 10 year, uh, rights issue. So, um, uh, Eichinger needed to make a Fantastic Four movie within 10 years of getting the rights in 1983, or he would have lost the rights. Um, he, obviously knew that superhero movies were just getting to the point where the special effects were almost there where you could do them justice. Batman and Batman returns. had just made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't want to lose the rights. So, um, his, his quote, so is it, uh, from what I was researching, um, uh, it said that, uh, the option was scheduled to expire on December 31st, 1992. If no movie was made, uh, and Eichinger's quote was, they didn't say I had to make a big movie. Um, and so he uh, made. He teamed up with uh, Roger Corman. They agreed to produce the film on a $1 million budget. 
Um, the shoot was either 21 days or 25 days. <laughs> um, and, and they began three days before that would have expired. So yes. the fact that they were in production. Yeah. Had Camera to had to roll. Yeah. Yes, yes. exactly. Um, and, uh, and they, so as Levi, I think mentioned earlier, everyone below producer level was going at this thing. Seriously. They were, they all thought they were making a real honest to God movie. Um, uh, there's a quote from uh, the costume designer uh, whose name, I love this. His name is Reeve Richards. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he he went in, in 1993. He went to Golden Apple Comics on Melrose Avenue in Los Angeles to buy a bunch of Fantastic Four comic books for research. Um, and when he was talking to the folks in the comic store about what he was there to do, um, and he told them he was working on the costumes for the movie, um, he said, "These people in the store just swarmed me and said you're going to be faithful to it." And I told them that is why I'm buying these books. <laughs> so. He, you know, he was he was doing his best. The um, cast, the crew, apparently the two people that composed the soundtrack, mm-hmm. paid out of their own pocket to hire a full orchestra. Yeah, yeah, six grand. Yeah, people believed in this. They believed in what they're doing, and you see it in every frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the release was tentatively scheduled for Labor Day weekend in 1993. Um, there were trailers that ran in theaters uh, on the home video release of uh, Roger Corman's Carnosaur. The video, uh, the trailer was included there. Uh, they screened clips at the 1993 San Diego Comic-Con. Um, then the premiere wound up getting pushed back to January of 1994. Um, it was going to happen at the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota. And then suddenly the premiere was halted. The actors received a cease and desist order on all promotion for the producers and the studio confiscated the negatives. Um, and that's when Eichinger uh, told the director that the film was not going to be released. I feel like I know that we know how this plays out, but yeah. our listeners might not. And we should just start the episode with what you just said. <laughs> uh, yeah. That is the that is the big, you know, uh, that's the question. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So what? Why do? Why did that happen? Yeah. That is what I always heard about. It was this mysterious movie that was suddenly, yeah. like, completely made and then suddenly ended. Yeah, and and why wasn't the movie made? Well, it really depends on who you ask. Uh, in a 2005 interview, uh, Stanley said the movie was never supposed to be shown to anybody. Um, he's apparently that was because Eichinger was only making it to retain the rights. Uh, Stan added in that interview that the cast and crew had been kept in the dark. Um, Corman and Eichinger, uh, pushed back on that in the same article. Uh, Corman said we had a contract to release it and I had to be bought out of that contract by Eichinger. So Corman claims he always thought this was going to get a release. Mm -hmm. Um, because he's still working at that point. He has a reputation to hold on exactly, to. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You can't just make a fake movie and bury it. Yeah, this is not the producers. Exactly. It's yeah. not it's not startups in San Francisco. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> um Eichinger also uh says that Lee's versions of events was quote, definitely not true. It was not our original intention to make a B movie, that's for sure. But when the movie was there, we wanted to release it. So according to Eichinger, um Marvel executive uh and the future founder and CEO of Marvel Studios, Avi Arad, uh, called him and said, listen, I think what you did was great. It shows your enthusiasm for the movie and the property. And I understand that you invested so and much and Roger has invested so and much. Let's do a deal because he really didn't like the idea that a small movie was coming out and maybe ruining the franchise. So he says to me that he wants to give me back the money that we spent on the movie and that we should not release it. 
Um, and there is a 2002 interview with Arad who said that he was concerned about how a low budget Fantastic Four movie might cheapen the brand. Uh, he says, uh, so he purchased the film, quote, for a couple million dollars in cash. And then without ever watching it, he ordered all prints destroyed to prevent its release. So. Because comic book movies at this time have significant budgets. Like The Shadow yeah. is $40 million. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't have a character that can light on fire. Yeah. Right. That does yeah. not have a talking rock. <laughs> yeah. That's a man that who can sort of mesmerize you with his eyes. Alec Baldwin in a prosthetic nose. Yeah, yeah. big yeah. scarf. Yeah. And, and, you know, and for whatever whatever the true story is here, you know, if it's, you know, Lee's version or Corwin and Eichinger's version or somewhere in between, um, it turned out to be a good move for Eichinger uh, because he retained the film rights uh, through uh, his rebranded company, which uh, was now known as Constantine Film um, in 2004. Uh, so. 10 years later, again, coming right up against the, the expiration of the rights, um, they began production of uh, the reboot of Fantastic Four, uh, starring uh, future Captain America Chris Evans as Johnny Storm. Um, they had an estimated $90 million budget for that one. <laughs> wow. Turned out a little better for them. Yeah. Uh, and then they, uh, a few years later in 2007, they did the sequel Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer with a $130 million budget. So... Um, you know, it was, it, he was right to try to get the rights. He knew it was an investment that was going mm-hmm. to pay off. He just, mm-hmm. you know, he got them in 1983 when, you know, he was buying them off of the Superman hype. He just tried to make a movie around the Batman hype. And then it just took until, I guess basically that'd be around the time of like X-Men and Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Yeah. When we're the, starting yeah, the Fantastic right. Four movie finally came out. Um, so, I mean, it was a good bet. It just took a long time to pay off. Yeah, and I know Stan was just trying to push, like he yes. was trying to sell those rights to anybody. At Stan that. was trying to make Marvel movies since the seventies. Yeah, like he really believed that the and TV and movies. Was hopefully, really we're going to get into more of those too. The ones yeah. that did get made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I I would love to do more of these. Uh, I I had a despite the fact this is not a good movie, I had a blast watching it with you. Yeah, guys, so, yeah. <laughs> it uh, is painful but fun. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm like okay. Let's watch Howard the Duck next. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's a budget too. That's a George That's a, Lucas movie. That is yeah. a full. That yeah. was the first movie he did after Star Wars, right? Yeah. Or Star. Or, it Empire? might have been Empire. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was. Maybe it was the first movie he did after the first trilogy of Star Wars, but it was like he was just rolling in. Like had you know could not have a better rep in Hollywood. Yeah, and Howard yeah. took care of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should have scared us off of this prequels. Yeah. Uh, but the, there are <laughs> there are a couple things that came out of this. Uh, this particular movie that I think are definitely uh, worth it being made in the first place. Uh, the first is that there is a 2015 documentary called Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four, um, which I think you have seen, Rob. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's great. It is it is one of the it is so much fun mm-hmm. and having it's i did i mean i just watched the movie thoroughly since i was a kid yeah but the uh it was it was uh, without having you know real context for the movie it was great yeah like you don't need to watch the movie to enjoy this documentary nice. yeah <laughs> yeah uh and then uh also i think the other probably the better 
thing that came out of this uh, was in 2013 uh, when uh, Netflix uh, did season four of Arrested Development. Uh, a, there was a main story arc uh, that had uh, Tobias Funke's attempt to stage a musical based on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the setup for the story uh, concerned his romantic relationship with an actress played by Maria Bamford, who I think is the funniest person working today, uh, who had her character had played Sue Storm in this unreleased Fantastic Four movie. And it is just, I remember watching it and just being struck by like, this is the most inside baseball thing I have ever seen on a comedy. Like who is going to get this joke? And turns right. out, yeah. Well, it's the thing is it's funny without having to get, yeah, like, the, yeah. it's funny just on its surface. Yeah. It's just got so much depth to it. And, if you know what they're talking about. Yeah. Tobias's thing costume is just <laughs> It's such a garbage outfit. It's so great. Yeah. And the funny thing is that in the movie, so the the person who plays the um the doctor that's trying to like take blood, yeah, he seems to have gone to the uh, Tobias Funke School of Acting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yes. I, I'm assume like I don't know at all, but that yeah. feels like some of the connective tissue because I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, this is a David Cross character. Oh, he. This is a this is yeah. a David Cross doctor, bit. Yeah. 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 Does it seems like a Mr. Show skit, you know? It's yeah. like you know where <laughs> ideas come to hang out and yeah. do whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man, well, yeah, uh, man, I don't know what else to say about this thing. Uh, like I said, not a good movie. I had a blast watching it with you guys. I'd love to do more of these, yeah. uh, as we need more fill ins. So, um, yeah, it, it, anyone who's uh, within the sound of my voice, if there is a pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that you would like us to do this treatment on. Or even television programs. Oh, yeah. Made yeah. for TV movies, TV yeah. shows, uh, whatever. Um, like, see if you can uh, come up with something that maybe we haven't heard of, uh, which I think would be great. Um, I know a, a few things that we do have on the uh, agenda, if we can find them somewhere, uh, would be the 70s Doctor Strange and Captain America movies. But, um, yeah, I mean, really nothing's off limits here. If it was published by Marvel at some point, uh, and if it came out before the first Iron Man movie, uh, yeah, send it our way. <laughs> Never mind the international you know, oh. movies that are sort of – so this is – sort of spider-man and this is <laughs> right. sort of yeah yes. yeah the knockoffs would be so fun too <laughs> yeah yeah oh absolutely well yeah so if you've got any uh, suggestions for what we should uh, take on next uh just drop them uh, in a line to us marvel by the month at gmail.com uh follow us on instagram at marvel by the month website is marvel by the month.com Levi, thank you so much for joining us. Oh my yeah. gosh, thank you so much. That was an extra long haul because you had to watch the movie too. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't have rather I don't know how to construct this sentence I wouldn't have watched it with anybody else (laughs) (laughs) excellent so let's see next week is going to be our our season 2 recap and Mm -hmm. then after that we start season 3 then we're out of yes season 2 limbo yeah season 2 3 limbo yeah yeah cool cool Uh, so until then my name is Brian Stratton and mine is Rob Mel and we'll see you next week for next month you could explain this to me maybe demonstrate how it works i don't know i just concentrate on a part of my body like uh you know like my hand and i just lay them on
Flame off, flame off, flame off. 